Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur with your host, Steve Kidd, third-generation minister and 30-year business coach. Listen in as amazing, world-changing authors, speakers, and coaches share their struggles and victories, and hear from best-selling authors' insight into how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. Thanks for being with us here today. I've got a special episode for you. It's extra special to me. I hope you guys will enjoy it too. I'm actually jumping into the middle of a conversation my dad and I were having. Um, I was actually teaching him how to use Zoom for the first time and there's some useful information in there. And so I thought I'd just leave that part of it in there for you um, so that those of you that are, you know, maybe wondering, how could I use Zoom? You know, maybe you're a minister like my dad is and you're thinking, hey, you know, how could I have a wider reach, especially now during COVID? Um, there is, of course, in this some just random ramblings. It really was a great opportunity for you to just really feel like you were sitting in the car with my dad and I or on the phone chattering with us and you got to be part of it too. I really, really enjoyed the opportunity to be able to just present my dad to you, bring him in front of you, and really share his amazing talent with you, as well as just have a little bit of fun. Um, so like I said, this one's a little bit different, but we've got some really cool and exciting things for you. You see, here's the thing. You may be eight, or you may have just turned 81, um, and it doesn't really matter whether you're, you know, 210 or two or 10. Um, it really, what really makes the difference is you being you. You need to, all of us need to, be the best version of ourselves throughout the world, to the world, in the world. Um, you know, it's really hard sometimes. Sometimes we feel like we're too young. Have you ever been there? I know a lot of us have been at that place when we were younger. Sometimes we feel like we're too old. And, uh, you know, life has passed us by. But the truth of the matter is, is that no matter how old you are, no matter how long you've lived on this earth, there is a value in you. There are things to still be learned, and there are things for you to teach. Um, whether you be my, well, I mean, now she's a tween, but at the time she was eight, um, my little Tia, my little granddaughter, um, whether it be then that you write your first international best-selling author, uh, you know, best-selling book, or whether or not you are in your late 80s, the purpose and the point is to share yourself where you are right now with the world. You're going to be somebody different even tomorrow because the things you learn today are going to impact who you show up in the world as tomorrow. But right now, that amazingly incredible, wonderful individual that you are is here on the planet, here to make a difference. No, not the difference in the oxygen to carbon dioxide level. No, 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 no. You have got some amazingly incredible things that only you can do, that without you being the one doing them, nobody else is going to do them because nobody else ever was or ever will be you. You're amazing. You're incredible. I hope you know that. I hope you take the encouragement from as my dad and I are talking throughout the course of this, and you learn some things, because my dad's brilliant. He has some amazing things to teach, and he's a great teacher. But I hope that you'll also see the possibilities of things like simple, casual conversations with people you love that can make such a big difference. Sharing that thing that you've done your whole life or sharing the thing that you learned yesterday. That's what we're here for on this planet. We are here to be able to fill the spot that is you in the world today. Today is the day we've got. We can't change yesterday. I know there's a lot of us, a lot of things we'd like to change, but we can't. 
and we don't know what tomorrow might hold. I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic right now. And if you listen to some people, we may never get out of lockdown. It feels that way, at least. But this will pass. And there will be a time when, you know, just like Spanish influenza, it just doesn't even exist. I mean, when was the last time you told somebody, uh, you know, hey, my Spanish influenza is kicking up, right? It just isn't. It just continues on, and life gets better and better. But today... Today, we are the person that we are. We are in the place that we are to make the difference that only we can make as us maximizing today. And, uh, you know, I thought a couple of times, I went a different way, a couple of different ways of editing this, but I just really wanted to share all of the time that I spent with my dad that we were recording on here. So like I said, at the beginning of it is, um, you know, is us just talking about Zoom and then we get into politics a little bit because my dad and I do, um, you know, and then I do a more formalized uh, interview like most of the radio shows are. I just wanted to share it all with you and give you some insight into myself and my dad's life, but also into how you can just show up as you. Because when you do that, you will be showing up as a thriving entrepreneur. And with that, we're not even going to take a first commercial break right now. We're just going to jump right into the Zoom lesson that I was giving to my dad when I hit the record button. Buckle in, because here comes some fun stuff for you. One of the biggest tricks that I learned was when it comes to recording is if you mess up, just, you know, take a deep breath and then just reset and just redo it rather than try to stop the whole recording, start all over again, you know. Okay, say that again. I don't guess so like I if, you're, if you're going through and you're like, you know, and in Psalms 23 and, you, and you're like, oh, crud, it was actually Proverbs 23. <laughs> rather than, well, you know, and I mean, I just try yeah. to take a, some, an easy example real right. quick. Yeah, I got you. Rather than going, well, fiddle, now I got to redo the whole entire recording. You just take a second, breathe, and then go, okay, so in Proverbs, you know, and then... But just correct yourself. Yeah, just correct yourself, and then... Just you know, like I just, was talking. Yeah. Well, and that's even better. If you can just do it, you know, it's like, oh, gosh, people, you know how it is. Old, uh, old timers just kicked in there for a minute. That's even better. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you, if you for some reason want to have those edits out of there, if you just give yourself, you know, you give a little space, um, you know, we can have a video editor come in and take those out if we need to at some point in the future. Because yeah. then I wouldn't worry much about that. I... I personally think the videos where the person is just real and, you know, their little dog runs in and jumps on their lap in the middle of the video and stuff like that. I actually think those work better than the ones where, you know, the person has the perfect lighting and they've worn this perfect outfit and they're wearing their makeup and they've got their hair all did. And it's like, whatever, you know, we all know you're in their, in your living room, you know, we can see your curtains behind you. <laughs> We know you're Shan Sean Hannity with your suit coat on and your Levi's. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I saw one of them that were that were there talking about how, yeah, you know, we only have to dress from here up now. You know, <laughs> I'm wearing shorts underneath. The <laughs> they they had uh, waters on there one time. He had on pink shorts. They you see him coming. I, I think that's the one that I actually am thinking of that I saw too. Yeah. Uh, suit coat and pink shorts that was cute <laughs> yeah I mean sometimes when I'm doing them I've got a shirt that's over here that's a purple shirt that I will just change shirts real quick and it's like I mean, I'm look like I'm wearing a, you know like I've been wearing a dress shirt all day or dress shirts <laughs> I, I only when I feel like I for some reason I don't know only when I get to some place where I haven't removed that judginess from myself do I do that. So if I do Bible studies or whatever on here and I record it, 
can I then go back and get it to use it for writing in my books? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So in the case for that, you know, we would take your recording, you know, the video you did or yeah. whatever, and we would take those, send them to a transcriptionist, have them transcribe what you said. Um, and then, uh, you know, then it really just, it depends. A lot of times that's all you're going to need. That's boom, the book's done. If not, you know, you know, you can do some arranging and stuff to it and, you know, you can put out a book pretty quickly that way. Especially with the Bible studies that I know you did because they're going to already be all articulated and probably the thing you're going to do after when you get the transcript back is, you know, insert in there maybe like the questions and stuff if you want to put in fill in the blank stuff or what have you. It, you know, if that's the nature of that particular study you did. Okay. So there you go. Anytime you feel like ministering to the world, now you have the whole world available to you. People can share it and all of that. And you could record them or you can do them live, just whichever way is, uh, whichever way is best for. Okay, so I can come on here and do a recording then where does that record that goes to my computer that's going to save on your computer okay so then i wouldn't necessarily be in front of anybody but just the screen right and if i wanted them to go live then i would go through the through facebook yeah okay yeah that's good to know maybe i'll go on here and do some things first yeah. get used to it yeah because the big one to get used to is the concept of that feeling like i'm talking to myself you know because <laughs> you're you know i know you're really used to having even when the audiences are small at least some people out there yeah you know, and and so <coughs> eventually you can get to the place on facebook live where people can post comments and you can actually read them and interact with the people but that you know i wouldn't worry about doing that right up front and try to watch the screen and manage you know to begin with just if you have something on your heart and you want to do it just go on and say hi guys how you doing i'm going to teach you today how to be you know a brat how to be a brat yeah how to be fun feisty and flirty at 80. There you go. There's a book for you. <laughs> feisty and flirty at 80. Fun, feisty and flirty at 80. <laughs> I do, you feel like, do you feel like your feisty and flirty days are over? You still at least flirt with your wife, don't you? I mean. <laughs> I didn't think I ever was feisty and flirty. <laughs> I, had to have it from some, I had to have gotten it from somewhere, didn't I? <laughs> One thing, maybe uh, having this in front of me where I can see it, I won't be rubbing my nose so much. It really will make you COVID aware of how much you touch your face. <laughs> I need a hand sanitizer here again. <laughs> COVID-19, guys. Here's time to wash the hands. We're going to take a commercial break. Go wash your hands. <laughs> my hands. I did. I got something all over me, up here on my face, on my back. Huh. That's the things you were talking about that Burton told you to, to do the vinegar and yeah, it helped more than the medication the doctor oh, gave. It takes away the itch quicker. Well, that's good. Dries it up pretty good. Huh. My problem is I can't leave it alone. I keep itching on it. I understand that one. Yeah. Well, over the course of the 53 years of my life and all of the breakouts I've had, they've never found a decent medicine. I have a patch on the back of my back of my leg. Um, it's what I call the place that I come in contact with the whole world with because it's right on the back of my leg at about the place where when you step down a step, if you don't, you know, if you step in too much, the back of your leg will hit the 
the, yeah. you know, the, the step up. Um, and it just feels like everywhere I go in the world, I'm touching the world with that part of my body, you know, and doctor have has. Looked, have they ever looked at it as psoriasis or emphysema? Oh, they've thrown creams and uh, yeah, you know, I mean. Yeah, but those things can only really be done with a, a biologic of some kind. Yeah. Healed from the inside out. They got some stuff out there <clears throat> now that's supposed to clear you up after just a couple of doses. I'm going to talk to the doctor about it because I think that's what this is. I don't know where mm -hmm. I got it. But it's a plague. It's a plague. It's COVID. It's COVID. It's COVID. Yeah, yeah COVID. COVID did it. Speaking of it's COVID. I found a I found out a really interesting piece of information yesterday. Okay. Did you know that hospitals are being incentivized to find the cause of death whenever anybody dies in their hospital as being COVID related? Uh, yeah, I kind of have heard that. Yeah, it's like they get like twice as much. Because basically the way that the CARES Act thingy and this new thing they passed, um, the way that the money to hospitals is working is basically, it's essentially based off of their hospitalized and death count. You know, it's those two statistics. And they get a certain amount um, just in general if a person dies in their hospital. And they get twice that month if they can in any way call it COVID related. So the quote-unquote 50,000 deaths that we have in the United States is, is anywhere from twice to 10 times as many as people that have actually died from COVID. Yeah. Because, you know, if a person has a heart attack, but, you know, maybe they have the sniffles too. Oh, that's COVID-related, you know. Yeah, right. We'll get more money for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard that the other day too. That doctors are being pressured to put COVID on there with whatever else they put on, but put COVID on there too. We live in a really crazy time. Oh, I do. Makes you glad that you know Jesus and they have something more secure than the government to rely on, right? Yeah, I agree. Oh, man. Can you imagine if your only hope was in the next stimulus check that the people did or didn't pass? Yeah, it's it's getting to be ridiculous. I said to Leona and Burton the other day that uh, you know we have we're at the a crossroads where things are really tight. On the one hand, we got an election coming up. If you know just the slightest little thing goes wrong, we could end up with a progressive government or even worse, and we would never get our country back again. On the other hand, we got all this uh, devastation going on, uh, not only here but around the world. This could be the beginning of the end time of tribulation and the coming of the Lord. It's kind of, you know, it's good, but on the other hand, it's going to be bad for, for people during that time. So I don't want to get too mystical about it, but I, I see this as a very dangerous, dangerous time. Well, I think it boils down to, as I understand it, and you can correct me because you probably know this better than I do, but as I understand it, that really it's kind of in our hands. You know, the Bible says that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then I'll hear from heaven and heal their lands. And if they don't, well, then you get to go to Babylon, <laughs> you know. Um, so, you know, I mean, it's kind of on us. Are we going to realize that there's something bigger than us, or are we going to think that we're the center of the universe? Well, and it's amazing to me how few people are thinking. It's all emotion. Mm -hmm. This is how I feel about it. 
because I feel it. That's the way it must be. I hope you're enjoying time here with my dad. Uh, like you said, I just wanted to kind of let you listen in on one of our conversations. Um, a whole lot more good stuff to come. I hope you did learn some things possibly about how to use Zoom effectively to record your messages and share your message with the world and make videos. Um, we're going to take a quick commercial break and then we'll be right back here on Thriving Entrepreneur. Don't go away. If you're an author who's on a mission, stand out with your brand out. <laughs> Check this out, guys. Yep, everything's marketing, and marketing is everything. Your existing book can become a best-selling book, or even, hey, like mine, a number one international best-selling book in five days. Listen, if your business isn't known by everybody, it's obscurity and that's death, right? The same thing is true for your book. If you're not happy with the way your book is performing, you got that far and then it just fell off the face of the planet, kind of feeling go to yourbestsellertoday.com schedule a talk with steve it's risk-free it's guaranteed it's proven we've done it thousands of times what are you waiting for yes yourbestsellertoday.com this time next week you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve reach the people that you came to serve come on now what are you waiting for grab a pen here we go all you got to do is book a call yourbestsellertoday.com go to yourbestsellertoday.com Book a talk with Steve. It's proven. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. All you have to do is say yes to your destiny. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. Today, I'm with my dad, Bert Kidd, and uh, we are talking about a whole bunch of different things. Like you said, I just really kind of wanted to let you in on the random musings that happen between me and my dad whenever we get together or on the phone or what have you. I hope you're enjoying it. I hope you're getting a lot out of it. It's a lot of fun for me to go back and listen to this conversation that we had a little bit ago here. Um, and now we're just going to jump right back into it. So because I'm going to also turn part of this into a radio show for people who don't know you like I do, um, tell us a little bit about who you are and the exciting life you've led. Well, you and I have talked about this a little bit before, and I've been thinking about it for some time, how to write down, you know, uh, things that define you, like my name. My name is... Wilbert Earl Kidd Jr. and I go by Bert. My father was a uh, Wilbert Sr. and he never wanted to call me Jr. so uh, he gave me his uncle's uh, name as a nickname. Um, I'm a student. I've been in school most of my life. I have a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, and a doctorate. Uh, and that says something about my desire to learn, but it really doesn't say much about me. I've been in the pastorate for 60 years. That's the work that I've done. But again, that doesn't, that doesn't say a lot about who I am as a person. It's what I did, and I hope I did it well. I believe I did. And uh, I'm getting ready to retire, so I'm an older man. Um, I sometimes in my head don't think I am, but I start to try to jump for a basketball and then I realize I am. So I just, I, I got to keep realizing I'm 80, not 25. Uh, so, you know, those are things that go on in my head, they go on around me, but there are other kinds of things. I tend to be somewhat moody and I have to fight that most of the time. Um, I've dealt with depression most of my life and I've had to learn how to get myself up and get myself going and not pay attention to how my body feels or how my mind, what my mind says, just get out and do it. I, uh, part of my study has been 
learning to be a counselor. So I have done a lot of that over my life. But it's hard to counsel yourself. It's easy to tell somebody else how to do things, but it's not so easy to tell yourself how to do it. I mean, you can tell yourself, but yourself is not as obedient. <laughs> so at least, at least that's the way I find it. So out of 60 years of ministry, um, oh, the stories. I bet there's some uh, really goods and some really bads. I can just to, remember them. Oh, well, there you go. Um, <laughs> out of the last 60 minutes, at least, <laughs> um, when you look back at the highlight memories, what are some of the coolest moments that you've gotten to experience in the church? I have always enjoyed um, baptizing children, uh, dedicating them, however you want to say that word, uh, to take a little child in my arms and ask the blessing of the Lord upon them. That's always been a really uh, highlight for me. Uh, one of the things I miss at the church where I am now is that we're all old people. We don't have any little kids. And I really miss not having the kids around. Um, the other thing is weddings. Uh, I've always enjoyed uh, the weddings, the counseling beforehand. I've come to understand that uh, when it comes down to doing counseling beforehand, people will tell you almost anything you want to hear if you'll just do the wedding for them. <laughs> and you can tell them, well, I, that's going to cost you a thousand bucks. And I just pull out their wallet and, it's like everything else. We're going to pay for it. I've had I've had some weird experiences with weddings till I've gotten a place to say no. I won't do your wedding unless you're a part of the church, or you're going to become part of the church. Uh, I I feel very very strongly that we have really made a big mistake in making uh, pastors marrying Sam, and the church is the place that you have to go to get the blessing of your marriage. The problem is people are coming looking for something that will make their marriage work and having it done in a church doesn't make it work. It can be work, but you're still gonna have to work just as hard at your marriage, uh, whether you have it done in a church or by justice of the peace. It takes two people, not, not just where it's done and who does it. So I don't do very many weddings anymore. Again, my people are older. I've had a couple since I've been here, but uh, because I, I'm very, I say to them right out front, uh, you know, it's just as legal to go to a judge or a justice of the peace as it has come to me. But if you're looking for God's blessing, then you have to be a child of God to get that blessing. You can't just come in here and have me say whoop-de-doo over you and that's gonna somehow make you a blessing it's just it's not it's not gonna make it work oh that's good i used to love the old time baptisms where we went down in the lake and dunked people down mm -hmm. much of that anymore either gotta have our in church thing because the water is so polluted you can't stand to be in in the lake anymore I guess I've always really liked preaching too. Uh, it's always been a highlight for me. Uh, I talk too much, but I, I love to do it. I love to open the word of God and learn something new for myself. And I always learn more for me than I can ever give to the people. It's, it's a joy to me to study it. And it's a joy to me to, to preach it out. An old man gave me a, a kind of a lesson one time, you have to pray it in, or you have to uh, study it through, pray it in, and then preach it out. And I found that if I do that, then the Lord blesses what I'm doing. If I try to make it all me, it falls flat. If I try to just jump into the pulpit without the studying, then I don't know where I'm going. And, you know, it's, it's just a hodgepodge, so. But if I, if I think it through, study it through, and pray it in, 
then I can preach it out with the blessing of the Lord. I'd say those are my highlights. That's awesome. So, you know, one of the joys you've had in your life is from an early age, you knew what your purpose was. You knew what you were supposed to be able to do. Um, a lot of people struggle with that. Do you have any insights into how a person really finds what that thing that they should do is? Well, for me, the way I was brought up was both a blessing and a curse. Because I had people telling me from the time I was 10 years old that I should be a preacher. Um, and I enjoyed teaching Sunday school class and did it several times when I was 10, 11, 12 years old. And uh, the, the students seemed to like it as well as I enjoyed it. Um, but I would say that the first thing you have to ask yourself is what do you enjoy doing? If you don't enjoy doing it, I don't care what you're doing. It's hell on earth to try to do it. On the other hand, there is a calling of God on a person's life to, to do uh, the work of the ministry. And if you have that in tough times, it'll hold you steady. And I think that can be true for doctors, nurses, uh, people who work as clerks, people who are truck drivers, farmers, whatever. If they really put themselves aside and take a look at what has God gifted them to do. I have a friend that he should never have been in the pulpit ever. Uh, he has he can talk a mile a minute about any subject in the world, but you put him behind the pulpit and in 10 minutes he's out of thought. He can't hardly string it together. And I love him to death, but that's never the place he should have been. How he thought he should have been there, I don't know. It just, it wasn't his thing. And I, uh, I saw him struggle with it for many, many years. And I don't know that he ever got over it. Uh, and, but I think the Lord used him too. So, you know, who am I to say what the Lord wants to do with somebody? Um, but for a young person coming up, on the one hand, listen to people around you when they say, hey, you're really good at that. On the other hand, don't pay a bit of attention to them and do what the Lord tells you. So, you know, you have to combine those somehow. What I found in the earliest years of my ministry, that I found myself out in the middle of South Dakota in a blizzard shoveling coal into the window of the basement saying, what in the name of everything that's holy and right am I doing way out here? A city boy born and raised in near Detroit. Here I am out in the middle of nowhere shoveling coal. I mean, it just didn't seem to fit together. But I wouldn't trade that experience with those people. Those people were wonderful, marvelous people, still are today, good memories in my mind. So, you know, you're going to have times in any job when you say, what am I doing here? How'd I get here? And you just got to hold steady and realize that this too will pass and you'll get on to the things you really like to do and the Lord will bless you and bless your ministry too. That's awesome. So over the course of 80 years, you've both lived life. I know we'd all wish that we just could get through life unscathed and never have made any mistakes, but we all do it. Um, as well as you've counseled people through a lot of things. Um, do you think you've found a root cause for why it is that we sometimes miss it so bad? Sin. All comes back to sin. I mean, people would like to make it a lot of other things. You know, I have this illness that they call uh, drugs, or I have this illness that they call alcoholism or sexism or whatever. But when you begin to push it off on those other things, those become excuses of of why you do what you're doing that, that that you can't get a cure from. You're you're stuck as being an alcoholic the rest of your life. But when Jesus comes in and cleans a person up, he also can change their desires. 
And I've seen that happen to people and seen their lives really change. Um, and I think that that's all of this illness stuff have made people uh, much more dependent on pills and on other people and on systems rather than on admitting I'm a sinner and I need Jesus. And uh, until I, now that's not to say that there aren't some people who become a Christian and they still have their same addictions. I know that's a, seems like a, a um, contrary thing to say, but uh, sin gets into our life and we get to the place that it's really, really hard to change some of the ways we have acted as a response to life. And many of those become addictions. The problem of it is we know a lot about drug addiction and alcohol addiction, but we don't even want to talk about gossip and we don't want to talk about overeating and you know a, a lot of things that go on in the church that uh, you know, are are worse in many ways because of the way they destroy people. So, if you were with somebody and you had five minutes to be able to impart all of your eighty years of wisdom into them, <laughs> I know totally fair question, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> What would be a couple of things that you would share with them to help them have a great life? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. I am weak, but he is strong. If they ever get that in their heads, if I get that in my head, that takes care of 99% of all the problems we have. It's not that people don't work at getting over things. It's that they make a catastrophe out of everything. And instead of putting it down to the size that the Lord sees it and then working on it with the Lord's strength, they try to go to self-help books or they run to the preacher or psychiatrist or whatever instead of working on their problem, whatever their problem is. And I love to talk to people. I love to counsel with people. I have a very direct style. Uh, I've never been very good at, at being a Rogerian and just repeating back to them what they say. Uh, and some people call that very directive and think that it's not helpful. But for me, I can't sit there and listen to somebody go on and on and on and on. <laughs> I have to stick my nose in and say, no, wait a minute. Did you ever think about changing this or changing that? And so I, I get myself into trouble sometimes. And I try to listen, try to pay attention to what they're saying. And then occasionally I sing a little song to them. And occasionally I just tell them, you know, you got a lot of hard work. Eh? Getting our lives straight is hard work. It's not hard work to come to know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. That just says, Lord, forgive me. And he does. It's just as simple as that. But living that out is difficult because our minds have been steeped in the ways of the world. And in order to be able to get over the things that are causing us problems, we have to get over the way the world has programmed us and re have our mind reprogrammed by the Holy Spirit to let him really lead us. And that takes a whole life. That's the, the living of life. That's why I have trouble with certain doctrines, because I don't think they're just the, you go to the altar, have an experience, boom, it's done for the rest of your life. Uh, there's a work to be done. And the Bible makes it very clear. I'm I'm preaching through Joshua right now, and the end of Joshua makes it clear, if you do this and keep on doing these things and be obedient, then the Lord will bless you. Then the Lord will keep you in the land. So there is work for us to do uh, all the time. 
And, and the other part of it is we gotta be a little easier on ourselves. You know, because I parted my hair wrong this morning doesn't make me a bad person. I can't let it, <coughs> excuse me. I can't let other people put that on me. And I can't put it on myself. I gotta be realistic about who I am. And, you know, it's like Dr. Joy said to me one time, I'm learning to live with my pathologies. Are you learning to live with your pathologies? Do you now, as you grow, as you get older, wiser, hopefully, um, do you find yourself being able to now accept you for more of who you are and to just be more and more comfortable in your own skin? I know sometimes that can be hard for all of us, but I hope that you are finding yourself more and more accepting of yourself every single day because that is definitely one of the secrets to living as a thriving entrepreneur. We'll be right back. If you're an author who's on a mission, stand out with your brand out. <laughs> Check this out, guys. Yep, everything's marketing, and marketing is everything. Your existing book can become a best-selling book, or even, hey, like mine, a number one international best-selling book in five days. Listen, if your business isn't known by everybody, it's obscurity and that's death, right? The same thing is true for your book. If you're not happy with the way your book is performing, you got that far and then it just fell off the face of the planet kind of feeling, go to yourbestsellertoday.com, schedule a talk with Steve. It's risk-free, it's guaranteed, it's proven. We've done it thousands of times. What are you waiting for? Yes, yourbestsellertoday.com. This time next week, you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve. Reach the people that you came to serve. Come on now, what are you waiting for? Grab a pen, here we go. All you gotta do is book a call, yourbestsellertoday.com. Go to yourbestsellertoday.com Book a talk with Steve. It's proven. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. All you have to do is say yes to your destiny. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. I've been joined to this entire episode by my dad. We recorded this a little bit ago now, just kind of talking, sharing ourselves. Um, I wanted to share my dad with you. I really felt driven to make sure that I had some stuff recorded with my dad. You know, he's 81 now, so um, it's important to get his wisdom out there and share it with the world. And I hope more stuff is coming in books that he's writing and stuff like that. But I really, really just wanted to bring him here to you today and hopefully help share with you how you can live and be a thriving entrepreneur by just being the best version of yourself. So um, let's let people have a little insight into what it's usually like to have conversations with Steve and his dad because we're usually not quite this uh, formal with our interview process. <laughs> you never know where my dad and I might go in a conversation, but I was thinking as you were talking, um, you know, it's kind of the nature of the culture. That's a better word. It's kind of the culture of the church to be judgy. You know what I mean? Yep. And um, I really, the older I get and the more that God's doing in me right now, I just I have a hard time with that. It's like, you know, there are times when I've blown it. I mean, I know I've really blown it. And yet I know my mom and dad still love me. You know, it's not like with all the things that any of us boys have ever done that we, you know, got to a place where we could figure out how to not be your sons, you know? And I feel the same thing with my own children, you right. know? Even when I'm angry with them, they're still my child. Um, you know, and I think the problem is, is that, we're so busy judging people that we realize it's really all about you. It's about sin can't exist in the presence of God. And so if there is sin, when we get in the presence of God, which is where we want to be, that's all going to fall away from us. How big do you want that little teeny tiny speck that's going to be you anyway? How big would you like that speck to be when you're in the front in the face of Jesus? 
that's kind of where I'm at at this point. So go ahead, judge me. Tell me how right or wrong I am. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with you 100%. We learn to make people hypocrites before we ever learn to make them Christians. We give them all the do's and don'ts so that they can take their yard strict stick and laid it up beside somebody and say, well, you didn't do this, so you don't have it. We need to learn to say, you know, um, the Lord's been gracious to me. He's forgiven me for things that I sometimes have a hard time forgiving myself for. But he loves me. He loves me the way I am. He loves me if I never get any better than what I am. So, you know, there's there's a lot to be said for the grace and the sovereignty of the Lord. The, the problem that I think that bothers me more than anything else is people who want to call themselves Christians and live any way in the world. You can't do that. It just if you're going to be a Christian, that's a lifestyle. That's a commitment to a lifestyle. And you got to surrender your life to it and do your best to live that way. Now, our best is not very good. And so we have to compensate for that by staying in the Lord's presence as often and as much as we can. I've been doing a lot of studying lately, whole new exciting stuff God's doing with me that is terrifying as, insert expletive here, See, I didn't curse. Aren't you proud of me? <laughs> um, but I really see, especially as men, how, how hard it is for us to really submit to God. I think that's one of the reasons why church often is some part or almost all women is because the concept of just surrendering themselves completely is kind of innate in their nature. And as men, we we don't really understand the concept of being a bride and being in submission. You know, we're built to be the rulers of our house. The, you know, people I know, they take offense to that word, but I think you know what I mean. Um, you know, and uh, we don't understand. I, uh, I was going back through the Bible. You'll love this because I know you, you know this verse really well too. So going back through the Bible where Jesus is saying, if you want to be the greatest be the servant. And I'm like, oh, wow. That's not something you see in a whole lot of leadership books about how to, you know, go around and wash the feet of all your people. And if you do see it, you know, it's like some kind of new system we've put in, right? You know, yeah. it's like, this is how you're going to systematize being a servant leader. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, yeah, it's a real new thing, but I'm really seeing the whole concept of, you know, until we as men really embrace being the bride of Christ and being in total submission to him, how could we ever be in a place where somebody could be able to be in submission to us? And um, whose fault is it really in our marriages when, uh, you know, when our wife is crazy? We'll just go there with, <laughs> you know, when we're crazy to the person that we're supposed to be submissive to. Yeah, well, that's not a, that's not a um, easily come by concept in our culture, um, particularly in America. Maybe I haven't traveled outside the country, so I can't really speak to uh, foreign countries. But uh, in our country, we have been taught to be independent. Uh, you know, we went out and conquered the land and we left Ohio and went to Tennessee or we went from North Carolina to South Carolina. And, you know, we were on adventure all the time. And uh, one day we got it in our heads to go across the Appalachian Mountains and, oh, hey, there's another set of mountains out there. Let's go get those too. So, you know, we have that independence, which is good. I love it. I love it among people. But the fact of the matter is, it's that independence that gets us into trouble. Because then we think we can conquer ourselves. I can conquer you. I can be tough. I can be physically strong, whatever. And then one day you get to be 80 years old and you find out that you can't 
hardly lift your food, let alone <laughs> take on anybody and conquer the world anymore. That kind of, so you got to kind of make peace with the fact that, you know, if you don't learn to become submissive uh, somewhere along the line, uh, you just, you don't get the best out of life. Yeah, I think it's that age old saying, you know, why is it that we get too soon old and too late smart? <laughs> you know, I was going to say to you, I was thinking uh, back when you were talking about no matter what you do, your parents still love you. Uh, and you know uh, that I'm in a situation where I have a son who won't speak to me at all. So there is the situation in life where a child can say, I refuse to accept your love. That doesn't mean I love any less. Uh, if that child would come to me, talk to me, I'd be glad to throw my arms around him and give him a big kiss and tell him how much I love him because I, I do love him. I don't like some of the things he's done, but I love him. And that's a, that's a whole different part of this. How do you, um, how do you show others the love of God in your life when you're having a hard time doing that toward people that you know really well? And in the church, that's part of the problem that we have in winning people. We're fighting so much with each other, we don't have time, and people look at us and say, why should I be along in your group? I've got as much problems as I can handle now. I don't need any more problems. And we have to learn how to solve that if we're going to touch the world. Absolutely. I even actually heard, oh, I don't know, it might have even been Sean Hannity, uh, you know, somebody who was saying that, um, you know, we're so busy in the church trying to force everybody to believe in what we believe in and get people to legislate our morality that um, we forgot to just be able to make sure that we're safe to be able to just still believe what we believe. Right. And, uh, and then we find ourselves in problems with people wanting to legislate against what we believe in. And I was like, wow, yeah, I didn't think about it that way, but yeah. A lot more can be solved with a hug than can be solved with a knife. In most cases, I'm trying to think, trying to think of the exceptions to that rule, you know. <laughs> yeah, but that's usually true. Catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. I mean, it's always the same thing. And we say it, but we have a hard time learning it. Yeah. So, Dad, you're getting ready to embark on a new thing. We taught you how to use Zoom today. Ooh. A little bit about how to use Facebook Live. Um, I want nothing more than to sort of share you with the world. You know, you'll always be my dad. So <laughs> sorry, guys, you don't get to have that. He's mine. <laughs> I have two brothers I have to share him with, sort of. But, you know. but um, I'm excited about this next chapter of your life and all the books and videos and teachings and whatever. You can do them casually now as opposed to, 10 o'clock, Sunday morning, every week, has to be, even when you're sick. <laughs> oh, you mean I can preach in my in my bathrobe now? Yes, you can, absolutely. Or you can, you know, wear a, you know, wear a sweater and wear, you know, nothing underneath, whatever. Be totally Winnie the Pooh in it. <laughs> oh, dear. I'll probably wear my uh, pulpit robe. <laughs> there you go. I have often thought I should really start calling you Dr. Dad now that you have your doctor. <laughs> uh, I'm amazed at how few people call me doctor anything. <laughs> Except when they're teasing with me. Yeah. So are there any parting words that you would like to impart from your wisdom to the people that are listening today? Keep your head up your heart straight and your eyes on the goal. The Lord will give you grace. 
Dad, I love you. I'm so glad that you're in my life. Um, and if there's ever anything I can do for you, of course, let me know. Thanks for uh, letting us record this a little bit. And uh, we'll see what happens in post-production. But it's going to be fun for people regardless. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to whatever I can do with Zoom. And I'll probably bug you many times trying to get it all straightened out. I'll just answer the phone. Tech support. This is Steve. Can I help you? <laughs> Okay. You have a great day, son. I love you. Yeah, I love you too. And that wraps it up with the recording that I did with my dad. I really enjoyed getting to spend the time with him. Um, you know, every moment that we have together is special. And I hope that you have a parent like that too. I know some of you don't. Um, and I'm sorry for that. But I hope that you have somebody that stepped in to fill that role for you and to be the parent that maybe you didn't have. I'm so blessed for both of my parents um, and all that they poured into me and all that they do in my life. Um, and it was just really a lot of fun to be able to spend some time with my dad and to record it. You know, I mean, we talk, we ramble about all kinds of things you heard during the course of this. You know, we went everywhere from politics to Zoom to, you know, spirituality and, and everything in between. And um, it was nice to get a little bit of insight into my dad and who he is and what he's learned thus far in life. And that was a couple of months ago, so he's probably even learned a few more things since then. Um, and that's the way life really is, is that we just keep learning and growing, going from better to better, from glory to glory. And it really helps us be able to live as a thriving entrepreneur. And here's why, because somebody needs you, that's right. You have something unique and special that is you that needs to be shared with the world because you are uniquely brilliant. You were created for a purpose and the world needs you. I hope that you won't hide your light under a bushel, but rather you will shine your radiant, your radiant brilliance to the world. Isn't it fun when I mess up words? <laughs> Your radiant brilliance to the world and let the world see the gem that is you because the world is a better place when you simply share you. And we thank you for it. I hope that you feel safe, happy, warm, and loved wherever you are and that you are definitely living today and every day as the best you can be today. Tomorrow will come and you'll be even better tomorrow, but just maximize while it's called today. Because at the end of the day, that's more than anything else, what it means to be a thriving entrepreneur. And I want that for you so much. I hope that you, until next time we're together, really truly have a good life, you share you with the world, that you do stay safe and happy, and that you know you are thriving in all you do. Until next time we're together, have a great week. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time. If you're an author who's on a mission, stand out with your brand out. <laughs> Check this out, guys. Yep, everything's marketing, and marketing is everything. Your existing book can become a best-selling book, or even, hey, like mine, a number one international best-selling book in five days. Listen, if your business isn't known by everybody, it's obscurity and that's death, right? The same thing is true for your book. If you're not happy with the way your book is performing, you got that far and then it just fell off the face of the planet kind of feeling, go to yourbestsellertoday.com, schedule a talk with Steve,
believe. It's risk-free. It's guaranteed. It's proven. We've done it thousands of times. What are you waiting for? Yes, yourbestsellertoday.com. This time next week, you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve. Reach the people that you came to serve. Come on now. What are you waiting for? Grab a pen. Here we go. All you got to do is book a call, yourbestsellertoday.com. Go to yourbestsellertoday.com. Book a talk with Steve. It's proven. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. All you have to do is say yes to your destiny. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.